0: Hello everyone, Um, my name is John Sproul, Uh, my pronouns are he and him, and I am your service leader today. Uh, Welcome to everyone in the sanctuary, and welcome to everyone who's joining us online here at the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. The Unitarian Universalist faith is a creedless community dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth and meaning and love. We embrace a pluralist philosophy, opening our hearts and minds to the diverse ideas, feelings and expressions of our world community. Whatever your heritage, whatever your faith, whomever you love, however you identify, you are welcome here today. And special welcome to any new people who are joining us today, and please join afterwards. And we're a very friendly, loving group, so you can kind of hopefully get to know people. Um, We respectfully acknowledge that we're located on Treaty 6 territory, a traditional gathering place for diverse indigenous people, including the Cree, the Blackfoot, the Métis, the Nakota Sioux, the Iroquois, the Dene, the Ojibwa, the Saltu the Ashinanabe, the Inuit, and many others, whose histories and languages and stories and cultures to continue to influence our vibrant community. So if you can ask everyone uh, to take a moment now to ensure your cell phones and noise emitting devices are silenced, including those online. Don't be texting, just participate. We are glad to have you all here this morning and we hope you find something in today's service that nourishes your spirit and helps you find and keep your balance. And we have a number of, uh, announcements, uh, today. Um, so first, actually, I'll call on, uh, Oksana.
1: Good morning. I just wanted to let everyone here and those who are online joining us know about two events coming up that are all ages. Uh, And so we have uh, the second session in our art and soul evening where uh, we are learning printmaking and lino cuts. And this is a part of our art series that is exploring our soul matters theme for the month. And our second event is also all ages and it's uh, Saturday the 23rd. And it is uh, cartoons and cereal. So we are hosting a cereal buffet. We are putting uh, retro and newer cartoons around our theme, Soul Matters theme of love as well up on the big screen. And we're also welcoming our community members.
2: So both events are free and, they're, um, and we're putting them out there to really invite people into our wonderful space. So please help us spread the word, please join us and we'll see you then.
0: Yes, and thanks um, I'll call on Andrew and then I think Susan
3: has an announcement as well. Well, hello everybody, my name is Andrew Mills and I have the privilege of being the treasurer of this church, so uh, I want to let everybody know that I have thank you letters and receipts to everybody who was a donor this year tax receipt thank you letter. Uh, they will be in the lot for anybody that donated in 2022 both online and in person, I have a tax receipt uh, letter for them, uh, not tax receipts for online but a thank you letter. Um, These are going to be in the lobby after church. Uh, Please pick up your uh, letter if you can and uh, those that are still uh, here on Tuesday will be mailed out to everybody at home and online. So thank you very much. Now March is Canvas month. This year our theme is resilience. So uh, we are asking for every church member by the end of March to return a pledge form please. Uh, so that we know what your financial support will be for the coming year. We need that for our budgets. So I want to thank all of our generous donors who help keep our church resilient.
2: Just a little reminder, as required by the bylaws, that there is a... uh, church congregational meeting two weeks from today on the 5th of march right after the service uh, all members urged to come uh, we will be voting on whether to make our current minister reverend rosemary our permanent settled minister
1: good morning my name is the reverend rosemary morrison and i'm going to turn my mic on there we go um, and I want to welcome you as well. Welcome. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. And I would like to talk a little bit about camp. So I'm very excited about camp. And if you hang around me very much, you'll pick that up pretty quickly. And camp is happening the first weekend in September. So it's the long weekend. It starts on the Friday, September 1st. What we're asking people to do is go onto our website or click the link in the newsletter or the weekly email and do a short survey to say, yeah, I'm thinking I might come to camp. And then we've got an idea about numbers and we've got an idea about how to begin managing the the bunkhouses and where to put people and how much you know it just is just gonna really help with the planning. The planning team has started, we've met several times and uh, we will continue to meet. This camp is at Long Island Lake, uh, just somewhere around West Lock. It's approximately an hour and a bit um, away, and uh, there is room for approximately 75 folks. It's got a waterfront. Um, we are being invited to use all of their supplies, archery, swat, uh, canoes, uh, craft shack, everything. So we're, I'm really excited. Okay. So it's, I, it's coming across. Is it? I'm pretty excited about this camp. <laughs> um, I love camp and I think it's, uh, one of the most amazing ways for a congregation or a group, uh, to really get to know each other and deepen relationships and really move into, uh, a spiritual realm. It will be surrounded by beauty. You can camp, you can bring your RV, you can bring your tent or there is, um, room for approximately 70 people indoors. It is for singles, doubles, seniors, juniors, families, grandparents. It's a great way for a grandparent to connect and be with their grandchildren as well. So, did I miss anything? Am I excited about camp? A little bit. So I used to run the... um family camp on Vancouver Island for the Vancouver Island Unitarians, and I was also uh, employed by um, Camp Grafton in in near Kamloops on the Shuswap, and I ran their camp for them for several years. So you're in good hands. I know what I'm doing. And there was one thing I missed. Oh Darn it. (gasps) That's the thing I missed. Thank you, Karen. Yes, um, some of you may know Dick Jackson and Kathy Baker. They uh, are the directors of the uh, Getting Higher Choir in Victoria, British Columbia. They also run an online choir and I know that several of our people um, are excited that they're going to be there because they they sing with Dick and Kathy uh, online and they have committed to coming and spending the weekend with us and putting on the music program. So pretty excited about that. Okay. I'm done.
0: We're, we're gonna, Just like camp, we're going to have some sing alongs just in a short <laughs> bit. But um, right now we open uh, the service with a musical prelude and everyone just kind of relax and uh, think about uh, someone you once knew someone you know now or someone you may know in the future inspired by the title. I didn't know what time it was until there was you by Mawson Hart. Now comes the traditional uh, lighting of the chalice, Uh, and actually Jeff Bezantz, if you could light the chalice for us, Um, as I do a reading that's been selected by Reverend Rosemary. This is the hour by Connie Simon. This is the hour, the time has come. Mindful of our responsibilities of leaders of this faith and guardians of this living tradition, we call upon that great crowd of witnesses those who came before those who are here now and those who have yet to come we seek their presence love and support in this place at this hour we kindle this flame to light their path and call them near as we undertake this sacred work And to begin the service, can't sing a long (laughs) time. Everyone could please stand if you're willing and able and join in the hymn, enter, rejoice, and come in. Thank you very much, we like to have joyful days at the unitarian church, but we also like to provide joyful days for others. And so now comes a time where we share our abundance actually if I could ask the ushers to start the uh, collection, as I share who we're going to be sharing our abundance with our community is entirely self governing and self supporting. One of the privileges of our free church tradition is to provide all of the financial support for our many ministries from among ourselves. Generosity, therefore, is one of the spiritual values we recognize as central to our personal and institutional well-being. In addition to supporting this church community, we also make a monthly commitment beyond our walls. One half of the identified cash that's received is given uh, each Sunday to uh, each month through to an outside organization. And some are local, some national, some international. And so uh, for this month, we're sharing our abundance with the I Human Youth Society, which is a fantastic organization. And since 1997, I Human Youth Society has engaged Edmonton's marginalized youth to foster positive personal development, well-being and social change, and they use art and creativity tools to support those efforts. They support youth impacted by the negative outcomes associated with poverty, intergenerational trauma, intergenerational trauma, addiction, mental health, abuse, racism, discrimination and exploitation. And on the theme of the month, we give a bit of love and we give a bit of art and they're a wonderful organization. for those in the sanctuary they we've had the uh, uh, collection, some people do give tax uh, donations online, I encourage you to go and look up iHuman human online if you, you feel inspired to be able to provide support for their good works, we thank you for your generosity and your support. Um, and uh, if you could all join me in singing from you, I receive. about all the tasks that
4: I have to do <laughs> so
0: um, and uh, as uh, I think was explained earlier there's uh, opportunity that uh, through the service uh, um, committee of service leaders being able to provide or being asked to provide a bit of a reflection on the theme of the particular day and so Reverend Rosemary and Gordon asked if I would provide a bit of a reflection my perspective on the theme of the month and so I thought about it and uh, um, it was interesting, I work in health and I work in science, and so there's a couple of quick things that I thought about. One was I, I went, and it always struck me as community love and connecting, and I went on a trip to Ireland with the Minister of Health, actually. And we went and visited mental health kind of work they were doing there that was quite innovative. And there was this moment we met with this, there was a psychiatric hospital, and they had a bit of an outreach program, and the nurse was describing the program that they did with the community connection. And she told this story, which she teared up a bit through it. And we were quite moved. There was a guy called Sam who chronically had all sorts of problems and suicidal ideation. And he ended up at the hospital every Saturday night, often in crisis. And uh, so the team all knew him, but what happened is they developed this outreach program. And this woman was a nurse and Sam phoned the hospital on Saturday and just wanted to make sure that they weren't gonna be worried because, I'm um, sorry, getting choked up.
4: They
0: weren't be worried because he wasn't going to be in that night because he was going bowling. <laughs> and so it just showed that Sam cared enough about the team that had become a bit of a connection to him. He didn't want them worried that he didn't show up, that he was home in Christ as a loner had killed himself or whatever. And so he made sure to phone said, don't worry, I won't be in tonight. I'm going bowling. And that was to me an example of love on both sides. But the other thing is in the health system, we've started measuring things that aren't just blood pressure, but actively looking at loneliness, connection, isolation. as is much more determining factors whether you're gonna be well or not. And there's a lot of fantastic work. In fact, the United Kingdom a number of years ago created a Minister of Loneliness who was responsible for the programs of kind of outreach because I think it's being known what an impact it has on it. So building on the scientific, review of love i wanted to share a special letter and it was uh, written by einstein to his daughter liesel and in the late 1980s liesel the daughter of the famous genius donated 1400 letters written by einstein einstein to the hebrew university with orders not to publish their contents until two decades after his death and this is one of them for lisa einstein <clears throat> when i proposed The theory of relativity, very few understood me, and what I will reveal now to transmit to mankind will also collide with the misunderstanding and prejudice in the world. I ask you to guard the letters as long as necessary, years, decades, until society is advanced enough to accept what I will explain below. There is an extremely powerful force that so far science has not found a formal explanation to. It is a force that includes and governs all others, and it is even behind any phenomenon operating in the universe and has not yet been identified by us. This universal force is love. When scientists look for a unified theory of the universe, they forgot the most powerful, unseen force. Love is light that enlightens those who give and receive it. Love is gravity because it makes some people feel attracted to others. Love is power, because it multiplies the best we have and allows humanity not to be extinguished in their blind selfishness. Love unfolds and reveals. For love, we live and die. Love is God, and God is love. This force explains everything and gives meaning to life. This is the variable that we have ignored for too long. Maybe because we are afraid of love because it is the only energy in the universe that man has not learned to drive at will. To give visibility to love, I made a simple substitution to my most famous equation. If instead of E equals MC squared, we accept that the energy to heal the world can be obtained through love multiplied by the speed of light squared, we arrive at the conclusion that love is the most powerful force there is because it has no limits after failure of humanity in the use and control of other forces of the universe that have turned against us, it is urgent that we nourish ourselves with another kind of energy. If we want our species to survive, if we are to find meaning in life, if we want to save the world and every sentient being that inhabits it, love is the one and only answer. Perhaps we are not yet ready to make a bomb of love, a device powerful enough to entirely destroy the hate selfishness and greed that devastate the planet however each individual carries within them a small but powerful generator of love whose energy is waiting to be released when we learn to give and receive this universal energy dear Liesel we will have affirmed that love conquers all is able to transcend everything and anything because love is the quintessence of life I deeply regret not having been able to express what is in my heart, which has quietly beaten for you all my life. Maybe it's too late to apologize, but as time is relative, I need to tell you that I love you. And thanks to you, I have reached the ultimate answer. Your father, Albert Einstein. Now, as an evidence-based guy, I must admit that this letter turned out not to be authentic. It took a while but it took a while for it to be discovered as and even in the critics who worked to uncover the deceit felt it was a wonderful offering they wish he had actually written (laughs) and and perhaps he did in some way as many felt it distilled in a poetic way feelings that he did express elsewhere
1: thank you john That's fabulous. We're coming to a time in our service where we're going to take some time out of time to look into ourselves, to uh, quiet our hearts and minds and our spirits. I'm going to use a a poem as part of this meditation by Naomi Shihab Nye. And she calls the poem, I'm going to read, a found poem. It's composed of things her son said to her when he was two or three years old. William Stafford once was asked, when did you become a poet? And that's the wrong question, he replied. The question is, when did you stop being a poet? We are all poets. We all have something beautiful to say that will stop others in their tracks. But before I read the poem, and I'm going to read it over a couple of times, and you are free to giggle during it. So let's take a few moments now to be present to the here and now, to center ourselves, to arrive. Sometimes we're just all over the place and we have to collect all the different pieces of ourselves. I invite you to take a couple of deep breaths, to put your feet on the floor if you choose to, lie flat on your back on the floor or your bed or your couch if you're at home, to feel the chair supporting you, and to focus on your breath going in and out. Are there little places in your body where the break, where the breath is blocked? Are you noticing some tension in your body? I invite you to wiggle it out. Just take a couple of more moments. One Boy Told Me by Naomi Shihab Nye. Music lives in my legs. It comes out when I talk. I'm going to send my valentines to people you don't even know. Oatmeal cookies make my throat gallop. Grownups keep their feet on the ground when they swing. I hate that. (laughs) Is it true all metal was liquid first? Does that mean if we had bought our car earlier, they could have served it in a cup? What if the clock said 692 instead of 630? Would you be scared? My tongue is the car wash for the spoon. (laughs) Can noodles swim? My toes are dictionaries. Do you need any words? What does minus mean? I never want to minus you. Just think, no one has ever seen inside this peanut before. It is hard being a person. I do and don't love you. Isn't that happiness? Let's take a few moments of silence. Music lives inside my legs. It's coming out when I talk. I'm gonna send my valentines to people you don't even know. Oatmeal cookies make my throat gallop. Grown ups keep their feet on the ground when they swing. I hate that. Is it true all metal was liquid first? Does that mean if we bought our car earlier, they could have served it in a cup? What if the clock said 692 instead of 630? would you be scared my tongue is the car wash for the spoon can noodles swim my toes are dictionaries do you need any words what does minus mean I never want to minus you just think no one has ever seen inside this peanut before it's hard being a person I do and don't love you. Isn't that happiness? Take a few more minutes of seconds of silence. It's hard being a person. I do and don't love you. Isn't that happiness? I'm going to invite Gordon in a few moments to just play a few notes on the piano for us to come out of our silence.
0: Now building on some modern poetic words, or some older poetic words from Corinthians. If I speak in the tongues of humans and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But we know only in part, but when complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see only in reflection as in a mirror, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as if I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love remain. These three, and the greatest of these is love.
1: Thank you, John. I also wanted to mention um, that February is Black History Month. So the quote that I used for the description of this service and the chalice lightings and, and the poem are all by written by people of color or of African um, American, African descent, African descent. So the description of this service, James Baldwin states, love takes off the masks that we fear we cannot live without and know we cannot live within. That's the quote. And I said in this service, we will explore how love is a powerful and transformational force. What images are conjured up when you think of love as as powerful and transformational? What are the limits of this love? Further to that, are there limits to this love? There are of course limits to everything because we as humans have a tendency to mess up power, transformation, and love. Often read in whole or in part at weddings to hold up as an ideal way to live and to love. It is perhaps one of the most widely known and recognized pieces of writing that the Apostle Paul ever wrote or was attributed with writing. Perhaps only second to the one about the women keeping quiet in the churches. <laughs> And interestingly enough, biblical scholars do not believe he actually wrote that. Uh, they have examined it and determined it is not written in the style of Paul and that it is what's called an interpolation. In other words, those that wished to have more power and keep women quiet in the churches and have a more male centric religion popped it in. It's pretty tricky. And it's given Paul a bad rap over the centuries, one I'm not sure he deserved. Now, don't get me wrong. He said some things I don't agree with, but that I don't think was one of them. So in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul is talking to a newly planted church in Corinth. And word had gotten back to him that there were rumblings and undercurrents and that the people weren't happy with each other. And probably not happy with Paul either, as a leader. That's one thing about being a leader. You know, stick your neck out. I think we can look at verses 4 through 7 as what is the central message. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. That's a lot. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Paul was trying to get the folks to be kind, to stop talking to the wrong person about whatever had their feathers ruffled. When we think about this in relation to our own covenant we can see the parallels. Basically, Paul was trying to create a covenant for the new church in Corinth. Seeking out the truth is the same as talking to the right person, finding out what has what finding out what has actually gone on. Not talking about the person but talking with the person. And so we can see that's what Paul was trying to do in 1 Corinthians 13. And here's what our covenant has to say about this very same thing. Talk to, not about others. Address conflict promptly and ask for help when conflict is too difficult. Be steadfast in support of our community in times of disagreement. It doesn't say when you're upset, you talk to others but not the person you're upset with. It doesn't say when you're upset, don't check anything out with the person you're upset with. Just ask, act on whatever you think you understood and don't give the reconciliation process a chance to work. Paul also lays out what isn't part of the covenant. He says, it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs, doesn't hold grudges. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Our covenant surprisingly mirrors these things too. Be truthful. This is from our covenant. Be truthful. Kind and open-minded. Assume good intent and goodwill. Listen with open hearts and speak with care, even when it's uncomfortable. Can you see the similarities? What be similarities between what's going on in our lives, in any organization you might be involved with, and what goes on, what went on in the ancient Near East? And you know why? Because there was humans then, (laughs) and there are humans now, (laughs) and this is what humans do. I'd say in communities of faith, this faith is especially true, because we have so much of ourselves tied up into our community of faith. There's personal relationships. We open our hearts and minds, and when we do that, we're going to get hurt from time to time. I also think I've stumbled onto another parallel. I mentioned it earlier. Paul is attributed with saying, keep the women silent in the churches. However, his actions tell us something quite different. He ordained women to lead the new church and he took their counsel. That kind of thing happens all the time in congregations and organizations. Someone hears something, It is whispered about, it is morphed, it changes, grows out of proportion, and before you know it, someone is attributed with saying something or things that they would never have said. Just like in the early church, congregations today fall prey to gossip, triangulation, and that eternal and childhood game of telephone. The main reason this happens is because people don't know how to have difficult conversations. They're difficult and uncomfortable, and nobody wants to have them, especially me. But it's a skill, and we can learn it. So unless we're trained in giving and receiving feedback, actually, that's not true. I I have gotten quite good at difficult conversations, and I welcome them. So unless we've gotten good at giving and had practice giving and receiving feedback, we we don't know what to do. So let's practice, shall we? This is kind of weird, I know. So as I'm talking, think about something you wish you could address or wish you'd addressed in a healthier way, something maybe with a family member or something that's bothering you in some way. By healthy, I mean talking with the person you are upset with, listening for understanding and keeping your cool. In some circles, I was at um, a conversation with someone, uh, a facilitated conversation, and they talked about not flipping your lid. That's a uh, kind of an image of like when you get upset, your lid flips, and you can't then think, don't have access to all of your brain. So how would you start that conversation? What would you say? I could come up with a couple of examples. How about, you know, so, you know I need to talk to you about something and I, that I find upsetting. That kind of sets the tone and shows that the listener needs to take this seriously. Or you could say, I'm feeling hurt and confused about something. Could I please talk to you? Another one, I would like to clarify something I heard you say, or I heard about something you said. Could I ask you about that? So here's what we're going to do for just a couple of minutes. We're going to practice the beginning step of a difficult conversation, and I mean just the beginning step. Don't go on to the next one. We're not discussing issues here, no content. We're just practicing saying the beginning or the opening line of what you imagine could be a difficult conversation. So for you online, Mike is going to work on uh, putting you into Zoom rooms of two so that you can also participate in that. If it doesn't work, I invite you to chat amongst yourselves, put things into the chat. Um, We'll try to figure out, make sure that that can work. So I invite you to move your chairs, to just talk to the person beside you if you want. And if you don't like them, it'd be a good chance to start having a good conversation. (laughs) So I invite you now, you've got about four or five minutes. So just practice back and forth, starting a difficult conversation.
2: I think
1: you get really loud, so you might wanna stop talking. How was that? It looks like you guys were um, you folks were having uh, some good conversations. Does anybody have anything that they'd like to that was you feel was expe- especially poignant or brilliant? Um, I would like to share, if I may, something that you said. I, I won't give <laughs> no, <go ahead>. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't talk about this, but um, it'll it'll be okay, I promise. Okay. Okay. Something that John brought up is it's often a really good idea to just kind of go, and I do this, it's kind of like, I wonder, or something's puzzling me, you know, just to kind of come in with that unknowing, that moment of unknowing and and curiosity. Is that okay? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Any, uh, okay. Anyone else have maybe something? Ruth? Modern technology makes it a little bit harder for, for, uh, for us to talk to each other. We may be getting out of practice with this. So give us a shout if you thought it was easy. Oh, okay. How about give us a shout if you thought it was a little bit scary? Any, give us a shout if you had some other kind of reaction to this exercise. Okay, you guys aren't doing, you guys aren't playing along here. (laughs) Something had to have happened. Okay, I'm going to start over. Give us a shout if you thought it was sort of easy. Woo! Okay, there we go. How about, give us a shout if you thought it was hard. Okay. So the, the worst thing about having difficult conversations is, is the beginning part, the lead up, the nervousness we feel when we realize we need to have one, right? And oftentimes that nervousness, just like any worry, is, doesn't really come to fruition. Our worry is always exponentially greater than the experience. Not always, but often. So in this congregation, we have chosen to create and learn to live how to be in covenant together. And I invite you, all of you online, watching on YouTube later on this week, those who aren't watching, I invite all of us to take up this work of covenant with our whole hearts and with love as our guide. So may it be. Amen. The hymn of the month is a beautiful piece, uh, and you heard it last week if you attended the Coriolis service. um, There is a love, and it has been written by Gordon Ritchie, and um, it is an absolutely beautiful way to end this talk about love. I invite you to stay seated uh, to sing this through. Sunday, Unitarian Universalist congregations light candles of joy and concern. Before COVID, we regularly wrote, lit candles of joy and concern and then maybe spoke to them. I have set, thank you, um, Mark Booker has set, set up a, a microphone there on that stand. If you wish to light a candle and then speak to it, you are invited to do that this morning. Um, I would say that we should do maybe silent candles. If you wish to just light a candle and not speak to it, maybe light your candle on this side. And then if you do wish to speak to your candle, to come and light your candle on this side and then move to the mic and speak. I invite you to do that this morning and at the same time um, to keep, keep it personal from your heart and brief. Thank you. I invite you now.
2: This is a candle. Or one of Mary, who uh, was in the church when I arrived this morning. She thought the service was, was a ten, and she said, Um this is the first UCE service she's been to since we've been in the new building." Um, but she asked about candles and other people. And we hope she comes back. A bubble snow now. Thanks. This team is the I can one of my friends through as we just try to see the This is for my son, Stephen, and his wife, Carla and their three children. I had never seen the youngest child. I had not spoken with Stephen for
4: um, just about 12 years.
2: When, when I found out that Ray and Andrew were going through um, sort of questioning about their gender. Um, he, he said that it was all my fault and he wouldn't have anything to do with me because I was too crazy and my friends were too crazy. And all I could tell him was, you know, just think about what you're saying. It doesn't make any sense. No parent would wish the extra challenges that come with questioning your gender would want to put that on their children if that wasn't something that they wanted to do. this This is not my idea. In fact, they didn't even know that each other was having these kinds of thoughts. And so he has three children who are now uh, the oldest, will be uh, getting close to university age. And I just believe that, you know, the chances are really, really high that one of his children may in fact be in that same position at some point, and I do hope that he can just open his mind a bit and still accept his job. Thank
4: you.
2: Hi, I'm Marilyn Day, and I'm just one of the people who experienced a very positive Dragon Youth performance night last night. And many of you are also there supporting and enjoying the creativity and the energy that fills this room on Saturday night every month. We as a church and as supporters of Dragon Youth have come up against some um, very cruel opposition and we have stood up to it bravely and constructively and um, so my candle is the expression of gratitude for the cooperation and creativity and positivity which seems to be winning the battle.
1: Anyone else would like to light a candle either spoken Or in silence. I would like to um, thank you for for mentioning that, Marilyn. I would like to add to that that uh, the Unitarian Church of Edmonton got the, what did we get, Kim? The sponsorship award last night, and I accepted it on, on behalf of all of you. So give yourselves a round of applause. I would also like to all the spoken and unspoken candles that have been lit this morning are an expression of someone's deep desire, their caring, their love of community, their love of family, maybe some struggles that they are going with, and I would going through, and I would just like to hold that, all of us together for a moment. Just a couple of breaths. Knowing we're in this together. Thank you. It's the hymn. (coughs) So hymn number one zero one four, answering the call of love. Is our closing here. Yes. Pardon me? We need some lights up. Okay. (laughs) Gordon can't see. There we go. Need to get a little light on the piano. Okay. Answering the call of love. Hymn number 1014. Please rise in body or spirit.
0: to uh, extinguish her um, chalice, oops,
1: dropped my (laughs) face.
0: And Jeff, I need to give time for Jeff to get to the candle, that was all planned. Um, But uh, we now have some uh, wonderful closing words by Maya Angelou and it's perfect as Reverend Rosemary said with Black History Month. And she's a fantastic writer, I must find, because I always find that she's speaking directly to me, actually, and so speaking directly to you I've learned that whenever I decide something with an open heart, I usually make the right decision. I've learned that even when I have pains, I don't have to be one. (laughs) I've learned that every day you should reach out and touch someone. People love a warm hug or just a friendly pat on the back. I've learned that I still have a lot to learn. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel.
1: Isn't that the truth? People will never forget how you made them feel. Do not be dismayed by the brokenness of the world things can break and things can be mended but not with time as they say with intention so I invite you to go and love intentionally and love extravagantly and love unconditionally for the broken world waits in darkness for the light that is in all of you go in peace gentle people Go in peace. Amen. And now let us sing our linking song, Carry the Flame. The words will come up here, and we're going to do this windy thing.
4: <laughs>
1: Carry the flame of peace and love until we meet again. Carry the flame.